Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Welcome to the Piketon Massacre, a production of iHeartRadio and KT Studios. It's been one year since eight members of the Roden family were found murdered in Pike County. Now surviving members of the family have released a plea for information. A year after eight members of the Roden family were ruthlessly gunned down in their homes, Ohio authorities are on a relentless search for the killers. Over 800 tips have been called in to police. We made a commitment to the people of Pike County that day. And I said, we're not leaving until we solve this. Many different facets of law enforcement collaborated to crack the case. The people that carried it out were trying to do everything they could to make sure that they didn't get caught. Law enforcement officials begin tracking down a series of leads that point them to another group of potential suspects, the Wagners. The Wagner shot the local Walmarts for ammunition, a magazine clip, and materials to build brass catchers. According to the case indictment, the Wagners begin conducting what seems to be almost like reconnaissance on the rodents. What do you mean a camera was there? Was it connected to something? I still to this day wonder why she mentioned that and why that conversation wasn't allowed to go any further. The revelations leave those closest to the family questioning their innocence. I know he was upset, but was he upset because she had been murdered or was he upset because he'd done it? This is the Piketon Massacre. Episode 6, The Investigation. In this episode, we're going to dive into law enforcement's investigation into the Roden murders, how the Wagners allegedly pulled off this gruesome massacre, and why. I'm Courtney Armstrong, and I work at KT Studios with Stephanie Lidecker and Jeff Shane. 
We produced a documentary about the case for NBC Universal's Oxygen Network in 2019 and have been following the evolution of the investigation since then. To understand the crime and the possible motivation of the family that may have committed it, we want to look at the months leading up to the murders and authorities' movements after. By any objective standard, it was a long, arduous investigation spanning two full years. During that time, many different facets of law enforcement, the FBI, the DEA, the Pike County Sheriff's Office, and the Ohio Bureau of Criminal Investigation all collaborated to crack the case. Police received over 1,100 tips. They conducted over 500 interviews, tested about 700 pieces of evidence, uh, served close to 200 search warrants, subpoenas, and other things. So this was something that was huge. That's Mike Allen, a defense attorney, former Ohio County prosecutor, and legal analyst for Cincinnati news station Fox 19. The attorney general, DeWine at the time, said it was a pretty sophisticated operation and the people that that carried it out were trying to do everything they could to make sure that they didn't get caught. Attorney General DeWine and Sheriff Reeder, they both said that the investigation was going to be a long one and a lengthy process. And boy, it sure has played out that way. But how exactly did investigators circle in on the Wagners as suspects and eventually compile enough evidence to make arrests? In previous episodes, we discussed some of the conflicts between the Wagners and the Rodens in 2016. There was a custody battle between Jake Wagner and Hannah Roden, and a physical altercation between Billy Wagner and Chris Roden Sr. It seemed like the relationship between the two families was reaching a fever pitch in the months leading up to the murders. But these two families didn't always have such ill will towards one another. Here's journalist Jeff Winkler. I think early on, uh, people wanted to paint the sort of feud between the Rodens and Wagners as something like uh, the Hatfields and McCoys, um, just because it was sort of hills of Appalachia, backwoods and kind of thing. But I mean, it really wasn't like that. Right, like people like to say the Hatfields and McCoys, but I think they were probably closer and friendlier than that version of it, right? Yeah, they, I mean, the, the fact that they were family members were splitting their time between the two houses, uh, the fact that, you know, the Wagners had been in the area for a long time as well, just as the Rodents had. It's just, you had two families who were uh, intertwined by both blood and work. We got some more intimate observations from DeRay. She's Billy Wagner's cousin and Frederica Wagner's niece. DeRay spoke to Jeff about how she saw the relationship between her family and the Rodens. Do you know anything about Billy and Chris Roden Sr.? My aunt said that they were very good friends. And of course, he was the grandfather of Sophia, and so was Billy. Billy is Sophia's grandfather. I mean, it's like they're in-laws. They're related. I mean, they're two grandfathers of the same little girl. She's adorable. Did Angela and Dana get along in the same way? Do you know? It looked to me like they were clearly getting along. And she never said anything bad about the rodents. She never spoke one negative thing about it, just about the children, about, you know, they went fishing and they were over at Frederica's and, you know, small talk. Right, like normal talk you'd have with another mom about raising kids. Right, exactly. And it's just like, that's all it is. It's just family talk. We of course know that Hannah and Jake Wagner had an intense relationship, but through the ups and downs, most would say they were in love. And their relationship brought the two families together. Here's producer Stephanie. 
When we started doing our research, I personally became a bit obsessed with better understanding the intersection between these two families and really struggle with the motivation. What could possibly cause one family, the Wagners, to allegedly murder eight people that they knew so well? They knew them intimately. In fact, we came across a photograph taken in 2012 at George Wagner, the eldest son's wedding, and the Rodins and the Wagners are both in this photo seemingly so happy. The only person not there is Dana Rodin, and she's said to maybe be taking the photo because she later posted it on her MySpace page. But it's mind-blowing. The people in the photo do not look like killers posing with their would-be victims. But sure enough, in four years, the majority of the people in this picture would be dead, and the others would be standing trial for their deaths. Throughout this series, we've been talking to a relative of the Wagners who's chosen to remain anonymous. She spoke to Jeff about her family's reaction in the wake of the Roden murders. What was the feeling like in the family after that happened? Angela was upset because it was the mother of her granddaughter. She was just really sad, you know, that that had happened. And I talked to Jake and I was telling him, like, I am so sorry, you know, like, if there's anything I can do, please tell me. And Angela, she did ask me. Um, at one point, probably about a month after um, the murders had happened, if I could come down and pick up Sophia and Jake and take Sophia to a friend's house and stuff. So I did. And in that time, we, you know, me and Jake and Sophia were in the car, and he was an absolute wreck. wreck. And, of course, I, I did not know. I didn't know how to react. I didn't know what to ask him. I didn't know what to say. I was kind of just letting him just have his moment and he was absolutely devastated. I mean, he couldn't talk, he couldn't breathe. He was having like a full-blown panic attack in my car. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I, I, like, I don't know what to say. So of course, when I find out that they were the ones who've done this, um, I keep thinking back to that time, and, you know, in the car and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I know he was upset, but was he upset for, you know, the right reasons, I guess? Was he upset because she had been murdered or was he upset because you know he'd done it and he knew I don't know it was just an awful eerie feeling it really truly was Pike County Massacre it's the title of what has happened out here the tragedy that we've been covering the victims ranged in age from 16 to 44 each were shot anywhere from once to nine times it's just uh, you know a grisly scene and a grisly situation Let's rewind to summer 2014. Hannah and Jake's daughter, Sophia, is eight months old. Here's producer Stephanie. This is why this case is so complicated, because just when I think the Wagners could be innocent, I read something like this. Around this time, according to the case indictment, the Wagners began conducting what seems to almost be like reconnaissance on the Roden family. Over the course of the next two years, they allegedly began hacking into the rodents' personal computers, their phones, even their social media accounts. They even reportedly used surveillance cameras to spy on the rodents. But why would they do that? Especially according to most accounts, Jake and Hannah were very much still dating and very much in love at this time. So why would they be spying? Was Angela Wagner, the mom, obsessed with her youngest son, Jake Wagner's relationship with Hannah Roden? Were the dads, Chris Roden or Billy Wagner Sr., embroiled in something big? Were the Wagners simply trying to get familiar with the family patterns and better understand the Roden property? Why would they possibly be spying? 
Here's investigative reporter Jody Barr. He's talking about a conversation he had with Kendra Roden, the daughter of one of the victims, Kenneth Roden. Kendra Roden brought up with me in our discussions. She mentioned a few times that there were cameras set up around Chris Sr.'s home. Wow, so Kendra Roden actually saw cameras on the property that now it seems as if allegedly the Wagners had put there. Yeah. She told me that at, at Chris Sr.'s home that there was a camera on that property. And she said it was in sort of a, not in the wooded area, but sort of the field. Like uh, it hadn't been mowed, but it was right near the garage at Chris Sr.'s home. And of course, naturally, you start questioning her about the cameras and you know, what, what do you mean a camera was there? What, was it connected to something? Did you did you look? Did you try to investigate? It was a very strange encounter, you know, when she mentioned that, and then the conversation went no further. Well, she was probably scared, right? Possibly. I mean, but she's talking to a reporter. That was always something that I've wondered about because she never got an answer to, and it was so strange. And I still to this day wonder why she mentioned that and why that conversation wasn't allowed to go any further. Yeah, what I find so, like, the most screwed up thing about it is at that time, in the summer of 2014, is when Jake Wagner and Hannah Roden were, like, hot and heavy and planning a, a wedding and to know that he was then also sort of maybe planning her murder at the same time or starting to at least spy on her in some way is, like, just very dark. I mean, there's a lot of interest, obviously, still in this case. And, you know, with, with every criminal prosecution, you know, the state... They have their version of facts, and the defense will have its version of facts. But if this turns out to be true, man, what a story. I mean, what a terribly tragic ending uh, to these lives, to, to everything that was going on. If we are to believe what the prosecution has alleged, you know, this paints a very dark picture. We're going to take a quick break here. We'll be back in a moment. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information, so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com iHeart and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com iHeart. Identity theft protection starts here. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen nicotine pouches, you can find many. Not only did Zen create the first ever nicotine pouch, We're still America's number one choice for smoke-free, spit-free nicotine satisfaction. It could be because Zen is made with only six simple ingredients, including naturally derived nicotine salt. Or maybe it's because Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day trial. For anyone worried Zen won't cut it like traditional tobacco, just ask one of the millions of people who have achieved lasting change. You have lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zin. 
find your Zin online or in a store near you at zin.com slash find. That's zyn.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All my friends love it. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. It seems that the Wagners became obsessed with getting sole custody of Sophia after Jake and Hannah broke up. But how exactly did they think they would gain control? As laid out in the indictment, the Wagners began methodically plotting a scheme that would take several months to actually carry out. Here again is Jody Barr. So when you read these indictments, you know, they were talking about the Wagner's movements even months before these murders happened. And the investigators believe that they were planning this for quite some time before that. The indictment says that detectives believe that planning began January 1 of 2016. The murders happened April of 2016. So you've got four months of planning that's alleged to have happened here. Four months to plan this out. I mean, if that's every day for four months, that's the full-time job. So what exactly went into the planning? In previous episodes, we talked about how, in April 2016, the Wagners presented Hannah Roden with custody documents. But what Hannah didn't know then, and what police later uncovered, is that the supposedly legal documents were fake. And that Angela Wagner's mother, Rita Jo Newcomb, was allegedly at the center of the deception. I spoke to Mike Allen about it. So Rita Jo Newcomb, Angela's mom, she faces three counts of forgery, a count of perjury, and she's a notary. Can you speak to, like, what, what power does a notary have, or how does that come into play? In Ohio, notaries don't have a lot of power. They are allowed, obviously, to notarize signatures. Um, you know, they have to make sure that the oath is administered properly when they are notarizing something. Uh, they're kind of hard to come by here in Ohio, but I'm certain... But because of, of this, she'll probably lose that notary's license if she hasn't already. Moving forward a bit in time, prosecutors ultimately claimed that Rita lied about the authenticity of these documents to a grand jury. But in an unexpected twist, Newcomb agreed to a plea deal with the prosecution. She pled guilty to a misdemeanor charge of obstructing official business. In exchange, felony charges of forgery and perjury were dismissed. Here's Newcomb speaking in court. 
I just feel that it's not a good Christian thing to lie, and I couldn't live with it no more. It's difficult to hear her because of the recording, but she says, I just feel that it's not a good Christian thing to lie, and I couldn't live with it no more. Jody Barr thinks there could be ulterior motives to Newcomb's deal. The prosecutor said in court, though, that a handwriting expert concluded that Rita Newcomb did not sign the documents herself. Newcomb admitted to falsely telling a grand jury and investigators that she did so only because her daughter, Angela Wagner, who was among those charged with the killings, told her to do so. I mean, there were some heavy charges dismissed. You know, were investigators trying to squeeze the grandmothers to get some information out of them? Mike Allen seems to think so. Now, there's a lot of speculation, and in the normal case, the first thing you'd think of is, okay, you know, they gave her a reduced charge in return for cooperation, and I, I would not be surprised if that's not the case. But again, you know, we won't know until we get closer to trial. Can you be compelled to testify for the prosecution? Sure. I mean, if they receive a subpoena, um, unless there's some kind of legal reason why, you know, they couldn't. Um, yeah, I mean, the prosecutor could issue the subpoena uh, if there's testimony. The prosecutor would probably uh, ask the court to designate that person as a hostile witness and then they can use leading questions. According to court records, the documents appointed a guardian for Jake and Hannah's daughter in the event of their deaths. When police later searched the Wagner home, this document was found in a box belonging to Angela Wagner labeled important stuff. I asked Mike Allen about the legal ramifications of these forged documents. How does it appear that these documents were forged on April 3rd? It was 19 days before the murders. I tell you what, I've been doing this for a long time, and I've never seen anything like this. It's strong evidence for the prosecutor. Uh, the defense attorney has to find a way to explain that away, which is probably next to impossible. But yeah, it, it's that's strong evidence from a prosecutor's perspective. As we've discussed before, it was around this time that Chris Roden Sr. and Billy Wagner got into a fight as well. Here's Mike Allen recapping that confrontation. Back in mid-April 2016, supposedly, there was a fight between Chris Sr. and Billy Wagner. Nobody seems to know what the fight was about or what caused it. Things were obviously becoming strained between the two families. But the beginning of April also brought a lot of joy for the Roden family. That month, Hannah celebrated her 19th birthday. Here's Roden family friend, Stefan. It was a happy occasion, you know, it was family get together and lots of fun, you know, because they were fun. They were always having, you know, get togethers, birthday parties, anything like that. They were a great family unit. But as the Roden family was celebrating, the Wagners allegedly were busy planning their murders. The Wagners already had a cache of firearms, but around this time they began making their own silencers. If the Wagners did do it, it seems likely that these would have been used on the night of the murders. The family also bought ammunition, a magazine clip, a bug detector, and materials to build brass catchers. Jody Barr filled us in on what some of this equipment is used for. The brass catcher is a, a bag that hooks on the side of a firearm. Uh, it, it will catch spent cartridges, so every time you pull the trigger, a cartridge is, is ejected, and uh, if you were really interested in not leaving anything behind, as far as 
ballistic evidence. This sounds like a great start. This bag will collect the shell casing so there's no evidence left behind. The bug detector, apparently that helps someone find listening devices and sometimes create white noise to muffle sounds or discussion. The indictment also includes a reference to a specific pair of shoes that the family purchased from Walmart. But why would they need a particular pair of shoes to pull off a murder? Here's Stephanie. One such theory is that the Wagners were trying to frame Dana Rodin's brother, James Manley. He's significant because, if you recall, Dana Rodin's sister, Bobby Joe, made the first discovery of bodies and called 911. She also called her brother, who rushed to Dana Rodin's house and also found their bodies. His prints were allegedly at the crime scene. However, just one day before the murders, the Wagners drove two and a half hours to a specific Walmart to buy a particular pair of boots. They're seen on surveillance buying these boots and they're the same kind of boots known to be worn by James Manley. Why would they do that? Here's reporter Jody Barr. From the indictment, I mean, there's a lot of assertion by the prosecution that they have evidence that, you know, these boots were purchased to frame James Manley, a family member for the murder, and that James lived the closest to Dana, and that James ended up being one of the first to discover Dana, you know, and Hannah's bodies that morning. Right, so the idea is that they went and bought these specific boots knowing that James Manley wore them, and then they would in theory, wear them the night of the murder, so it looked to police like he was the one walking around. And it sounds like, for a period of time, investigators might have believed that to be the case because James Manley was one of the first people brought in and interrogated, given a polygraph. I mean, if you're to believe what's written in that indictment, it sounds like you may have been pretty close to pulling this all off. It was so detail-oriented. Yeah, and and you wonder this, too. It's like, it seemed like a lot of detailed planning. I don't, to pre-plan that, I don't really know what to think of it. Again, I don't know anybody who's capable of doing that. And we know it happened. It was pulled off by somebody. But, I mean, if they really bought boots to try to frame James Manley, man, again, this is a heck of a story. Who dreams this up? Who thinks this up? In April 2016, the same week as Hannah's birthday, her mother Dana threw a baby shower to celebrate the upcoming birth of her new baby girl, Kylie. It would be the last time the Roden family all gathered in one place. Becky Ryder was a close friend of Dana Roden's. She told Jeff about the excitement surrounding the baby's arrival. Dana felt overwhelmed with joy and happiness because she's getting another grandbaby that she can love and spoil. She always loved her grandkids, you know, deeply. Yeah, and like Hannah must have been happy too because she was she had a new boyfriend at that point who was not Jake Wagner and she was about to have a new baby and kind of start a new chapter of her life, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. In photos from this event, Hannah smiles with her daughter Sophia. We also see other family members in the photo, including Frankie and his fiancée, Hannah Gilly. In just a few days, eight members of the Roden family would be dead. But... DeRay's recollection of the events leading up to the birth of Kylie is different. She says at that point that things were still going well between Jake and Hannah. I believe they may have disagreements, and I think there was disappointments, but I don't think there was any, any hate. We've discussed in previous episodes how the people of Piketon were immediately affected by the murders and the shroud of fear that hovered over the small town. I just don't understand 
why it happened here. You have to really wonder and think, like, is it like mafia or anything like that? Because it is crazy. If I lived down there, I wouldn't stay there. I would be so afraid. But in the wake of the murders, many news outlets were portraying Jake Wagner as almost a sympathetic figure. This is how the Cincinnati Inquirer described him in a July 2016 article. A full-time single dad with mounting legal bills with a new job that pays half of what he was making to ensure he is close to Sophia. But close still means the 23-year-old makes a daily commute to Cincinnati, a two and a half hour daily drive. Anybody who was connected to this family, you know, there was a lot of uh, emotion from the public involved here because of these children. So it's no surprise that Jake, you know, a lot of people felt for Jake. I mean, he's left there with a with that very young daughter and he's fighting to get her back. But it's what the family did in the wake of the murders that raised some suspicion. We know that just six days after the rodents were killed, Jake Wagner filed for custody of two-and-a-half-year-old Sophia, his daughter with Hannah Roden. In a previous episode, we talked to Ohio criminal defense attorney Mike Allen about how this looks from a legal perspective. That's extremely strong evidence for the prosecution. I mean, six days, less than a week after the killings to go ahead and file. It can take months, uh, you know, maybe a year, a little bit more, a little bit less. It's not something that goes quickly at all. And I think that uh, that is going to be some evidence that's uh, problematic for the defense doing it that quickly after the murders. It was around the same time that Angela Wagner suggested her son create a GoFundMe campaign to help cover the custody expenses to the tune of $20,000. Jake wrote a personal message on the page saying, these were not expenses I was supposed to have. I was just supposed to be able to spend time with her and give her a happy childhood. Sophia and I are just asking enough to settle the fees that we acquired due to the horrific tragedy to her mommy. He finished, I hate seeing my daughter cry. We want to get our lives back. But these legal actions seemed unusual to many in the community. Here's investigative reporter Jody Barr. I do remember seeing that in the Roden Massacre Facebook group, you know, people talking about that and just, you know, there were there was a lot of angry comments about it that, you know, a lot of people in those groups have already convicted the Wagners. They already believe they did it and they're guilty. And, you know, to, so to see that and, the, and how vocal the Wagners were on social media, it seemed to rub people in that group the wrong way, that... That was the wrong message um, that they believe the Wagner should have been sending at that point in time. But, you know, a, a lot of people saw it as the brazenness of the people wrapped up in this to make a move like that, to ask for help. Let's stop here for another quick break. We'll be back in a moment. Hey, Sarah, I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. 
Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen nicotine pouches, you can find many. Not only did Zen create the first ever nicotine pouch, we're still America's number one choice for smoke-free, spit-free nicotine satisfaction. It could be because Zen is made with only six simple ingredients, including naturally derived nicotine salt. Or maybe it's because Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day trial. For anyone worried Zen won't cut it like traditional tobacco, just ask one of the millions of people who have achieved lasting change. You have lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zin. Find your Zin online or in a store near you at zin.com slash find. That's zyn.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. In May 2017, with the investigation in full swing, officials searched the farm of a piked-in resident named Bernard Brown. Mike Allen filled us in on why police may have been interested in the property. Agents uh, searched his farm. I guess he's a friend of the Wagners and knew them for a long time. I guess they, they fixed cars together, a lot of cars on the lot. I guess Jake had stored some cars and some other things on the property. And I tell you what, cars and vehicles and equipment are all over these farms that uh, that have been searched. So, I mean, maybe something could have been hidden somewhere. Uh, somebody must have given law enforcement a tip that there could possibly be something there or they wouldn't have searched it. Bernard Brown was not charged with anything. Authorities searched two large trailers and took one smaller utility trailer owned by the Wagners from his property. According to Brown, Jake Wagner sometimes worked for him fixing cars. Brown said that the Wagners had dropped items off at the property a week prior to the search. It was clear that investigators were becoming more interested in the Wagners. By the spring of 2017, the family had been interviewed several times by authorities. It should be noted that Jake and Angela were interviewed five times, Billy three times, and George once. DeRay spoke to Jeff about a conversation she had with Angela Wagner as police narrowed in on her family. One day she goes, I, she goes, I can't believe it. They just won't leave us alone. They just will not leave us alone. She goes, it's terrible. She goes, we're starting to get really worried that we're going to be arrested. 
So they felt that coming. Yeah, because they, they wouldn't leave everybody alone. Rumors of the Wagner's potential involvement in the Roden Massacre quickly spread. And soon, they were being targeted not only by police, but by Pike County residents as well. Everybody had started basically attacking them, the community, um, accusing them of murdering those people. Like if they were in town and people identified um, their vehicle, they would throw pop bottles at them. Angela had actually went into a store one day and some woman had actually pulled up (laughs) behind Angela as she was coming back out of the store and threw a glass key bottle at her and it, it busted her in the back. In May 2017, as the community continued to turn against them, Angela Wagner took to social media to publicly declare her family's innocence. Here's Jeff reading from her post. Okay, I have decided to tell you all a couple of things about me and my family. What has happened to us in the past few weeks has been devastating, and it will follow us for the rest of our lives. Hannah was a daughter to me. I loved her dearly. Her loss still hurts to this day, especially when I see her every day in my granddaughter. We did not do anything to hurt Hannah's family. We want justice, just like everyone else. It is real disturbing. If you really want to know what you guys are doing, your accusations now will hurt Sophia later in life when she really understands what happened. Let's try to find the real monsters who've done this. So let's really unpack this for a moment, because if Angela Wagner is in fact a martyr and had been targeted by the town, I mean, having a bottle thrown at you, if you did not commit these crimes would be hideous, especially the town that you love so much. Angela and her husband lived there for generations. That had to be really difficult. However, if they did it, and they just went about their lives, speaking to the press openly, you know, when I look at her photo, I know I've said this before, she looks like a mom. But then she's also grimacing in her mugshot. And even during her pretrial hearings, there's something sort of smug about the way she presents herself. It also makes me wonder, Could she possibly be at the center of this? Facing violent backlash from locals and increasing attention from authorities, the Wagners did something that left everyone in Piketon stunned. Here's Jeff Winkler again. Their lawyer had said that they were the primary suspects. And so it was around that time, May 2017, that the whole family emptied out a few cargo facilities that they had, some uh, sheds and whatnot, um, loaded all up and then um, up and moved to Alaska. When they left for Alaska, I was like, oh, wow, they are running. And then I thought, they'll get away with it. I'm the one that told them, go to Alaska. The state of Ohio cannot afford to extradite you from Alaska back home. But the Wagner's relocation didn't hinder the investigation. Investigators raided three properties in Adams and Pike counties the middle of May. We had previously reported those properties are connected to the Wagner family. Now investigators say they believe the family recently moved to Alaska. Investigators want any information the public has about the family. They moved to Alaska, but then the very following month, law enforcement actually finally searches the properties where the Wagner's lived. That started to tighten the noose in terms of the Wagners. More on that next time. Reach out to us on our social media outlets with questions. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Piketon Massacre. We look forward to answering your questions in upcoming bonus episodes. 
Piketon Massacre is executive produced by Stephanie Lidecker and me, Courtney Armstrong. Editing and sound design by executive producer Jared Aston. Additional producing by Jeff Shane and Andrew Becker. The Piketon Massacre is a production of iHeartRadio and KT Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Please welcome our Pike County Dogwood Festival Queen. Lord, I just thank you for bringing us all together as a community. Who could have killed eight family members in one night? I lost my best friend, and I'll never be the same because of that day. Four crime scenes, no DNA, no witnesses. The killer left those children laying in their mother's blood. The word that comes to mind is overkill. Who was the mastermind? I'm telling you, if they frame us, I'm not sitting in prison. One thing I learned, the smaller the town, the bigger the secrets. Be sure to watch our upcoming documentary, The Pike County Murders of Family Massacre, premiering on NBC Universal's Oxygen Network and also streaming on Peacock this Thanksgiving Day weekend, November 24th and November 25th. Please check your local listings, and our hearts are with the Rodins and the Gilly families. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you.